Welcome back. You are listening to the It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Brady. Through my own experiences as a lifelong athlete, community volunteer, author, and company founder, I'm on a mission to educate, inspire, and motivate individuals of all ages to improve all aspects of their health and live their best life to the fullest. I built my company, Advoca Health, based on this mission. Advocate Health assists companies and individuals navigate the very best health solutions both at home and in the world. On this podcast, I meet with industry-leading experts and partners with the aim to share simple strategies and tips to help you live a healthier, longer, and happier life. Sit back and enjoy the show. It's my pleasure today to welcome onto our podcast, Sean Tollison. For those of you who don't know Sean, Sean was a major league baseball pitcher. Uh, He pitched for the Dodgers for two years and three years with the Texas Rangers. Sean uh, has helped me out personally, as well as a number of our uh, Advoca Health members. Today, we dive deep into a number of topics. First and foremost, his own journey towards optimal health and things he has done to get into that space. Uh, Second, we talk about uh, some of the things he wished he had known uh, in terms of health when he was pitching and uh, the impact that would have had. We dive deep into the benefits of fasting, which Sean is a uh, huge fan. We talk about genetics, which I have had uh, genetic testing myself done and the importance of that. We also talk about tracking sleep and the importance of of, uh, measuring your sleep and, and how you sleep on a daily basis. We get into a healthy debate around the benefits of a carnivore, paleo, and uh, vegan and plant-based diet and some of the pros and cons of each. Uh, And lastly, we finish off with talking about uh, Sean's uh, health community, Tolleson Health Community, which allows members to communicate and interact on an ongoing basis. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Sean also does a lot of work with our Advoca Health uh, clients as well as uh, many of our corporate clients as well. So sit back and enjoy the show. Okay. So Sean, I'd like to uh, officially welcome you to our podcast today, our Never Too Late to Be Healthy podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Well, I appreciate it. Never too late to have me on. So (laughs) thanks thanks for the invite. Exactly. For our listeners, Sean has actually uh, become a good friend and actually has, has helped me personally, helped our family members in many ways from a health and fitness standpoint and many of our advocate members as well. So Sean, thanks for that. Thanks, A, for our relationship. And again, the work you've done with our family, but also uh, for so many of our advocate members that you've helped on an ongoing basis. Really, really appreciate it. It's fun. It's fun. Fun to do what I do. So happy to do it. Awesome. So Sean, for our listeners, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. And I'll just ask you, if you wouldn't mind, to just share... Uh, kind of, I'll say your origin or background, uh, you know, high level where you grew up. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we'll get into your career in, in MLB, but uh, just maybe what brought you up to that point would be great. Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I am a Texan, and that is about all I have ever been and all I probably will ever be. So, um, no, I, I was born and raised here in the just outside of the Dallas Fort Worth area down here in Texas. And um, I have lived within the same square mile my entire life. So, 
you can see, um, you know, it, baseball has obviously taken me all over the country, all over the world. Um, but I have never seen a need to leave. Um, that's just kind of, I've just fallen in love with home and that's, that's where I am. But, um, you know, kind of what led me to this, I haven't always been just crazy health conscious kind of guy. Um, my dad instilled in me, um, kind of this idea of the importance to be healthy. Um, and you know, he had absolutely no idea what that meant. Um, but you know, for sure he, you know, we would talk about healthy foods. Now, again, they might not have been healthy, but he was doing the best he could. We'd go up and we'd exercise and we'd spend out time outside working in the sun and, and these kind of things like work ethic, right? Work ethic was a, a, an important thing that I was really brought up on, which probably is one of the reasons that I got so far in my baseball career that I did was really just the fact that work ethic was instilled in me. Um, my dad grew up on a farm. Um, so the idea of growing your own food raising your own animals, going out to the barn and cutting a chicken's head off and plucking it and cooking it for dinner. That is like how my dad grew up and was raised. Um, and so I didn't grow up like that, but a lot of that same kind of hard work mentality, um, and eating from, you know, as much as you can from earth, um, was definitely instilled in me. Um, uh, you know, I've got an older brother and an older sister, always been active. I've always played sports. Um, and I've always been a little bit on the heavier side. And so, um, you know, even, even kind of growing up, I always a little bit was, um, and then got into high school and college and, you know, being a college athlete and, um, you know, they call it like the freshman 15, you know, where you go and put on 15 pounds. I mean, I probably put on 20 or 30 pounds my freshman year of college. Like really I did. Um, I, I just, I and, you were play, and you were playing ball then, obviously I was, I was playing ball. Right. But the biggest change that really happened and everyone's like, dude, you must've just been eating everything in sight. And for sure. I honestly, I probably always have eaten everything in sight. Um, I have a huge appetite. I always have, but the biggest change was that when I got to college, I went from being a, pitcher, third baseman, outfielder, you know, doing everything on a baseball field. I got to college and I was just a pitcher. And, um, if there's any baseball fans out there, you've got kids who play baseball. I mean, the second that they label your kid as a pitcher only, um, you can really just like kiss their athleticism goodbye. So it takes some, it takes some serious, it takes some serious effort, uh, to kind of maintain that. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it just, it just hit me upside the head. What, what um, was your peak weight? If you don't mind me asking, uh, you know, I was probably, so I was probably at my heaviest, I was probably about 245 pounds. Wow. And what yeah. are you, what are you and now? I'm about 195 today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just as strong as I was back then, uh, feel, feel a heck of a lot better. Um, but, um, you know, it's kind of, I, you know, I'll kind of go into like professional baseball. I mean, I, I had a work ethic, right. I, I worked hard. Um, I worked with a nutritionist. I had a strength and conditioning coach. They're both experts in their field as they're the best at what they do. Um, and I stuck to their plan, but for whatever reason, like it just didn't seem to work the same for me as it did for other people. Mm, um, and so here I am, you know, when you're in baseball locker room, you get to shower with a lot of guys. So you get to get, see a lot of guys' bodies, but, but, you know, I, I would see, and I would see the guy next to me and, you know, he'd go do a nonchalant, you know, 10 or 15 minute workout and go to 
like a bowl of, uh, you know, cereal and a couple chocolate chip cookies. And I go and do this like intense two and a half hour training session and then drink and then, you know, wash it all down with like a proteins and greens smoothie. And, and I'm like, I'm doing everything right. But why is this guy, you know, 8% body fat and why am I 20% body fat? And it was like one of these things where it wasn't adding up. I didn't understand the concept of genetics at that time. I didn't understand the concept of nutrient deficiencies and I didn't understand the concept of, of um, stress and overworking, right? So overtraining is like a huge pandemic um, in the world. Everyone's taking so much pride in their exercise, right? We, we go do our exercise and, and we post about it on our social media and we tell everyone what we're doing and none of that's bad in some ways that's motivating for people to like be able to go and do that but we take it too far, right? We all have, I mean, pride is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And we all kind of build up this pride and kind of like what we do. Um, and it makes people overwork and overtrain and you end up, you know, doing more damage to your body than good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know in my prior days running marathons and even triathlons, you see that a lot where, where people are just training to the max overtraining their cortisol levels are off the charts and mm -hmm. you know, they may be thin, but their, their fat, their actually percentage body fat is quite high, quite right? high, man. It's funny. You, you say that it's, um, I'm thinking about this is, so when I started this business a couple of years ago, the very first client that signed up with me, so he's always going to have a special place in my heart. He's still a client of mine. Um, so I'm, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but he was a triathlete and, you know, I, I'm, never been a triathlete, never been great with endurance stuff. Um, uh, never probably put enough effort into it, just being honest, but, um, he was a triathlete. In fact, you know, he's done six of these Ironman races and, um, he, I'm, I'm listening to him talk and, and how he feels and what he does. And, um, and I'm just like, this guy has got to stop. Like he's got to stop. He came, he came at me. He was about 240 pounds doing these things. Um, and didn't look great. You know, like you look at him and you're like, this isn't a six time iron man, you know? Um, but this, you know, he could run and swim and bike for days. Um, and, but he's just built up so much chronic inflammation in his body. It's just, it was almost at dangerous levels. Um, and so I, he wanted to work with me and I'm like, I told him, I said, Hey, I don't know if you want to work with me. Um, because I'm probably going to tell you to stop. And, uh, he's like, no, I can't do that. You know, this is my identity right? This is my yeah, identity. Sure. He had this, he had this it becomes, pride. becomes your identity. I can see yeah. personal experience. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not bad. It's like, it is healthy, right? It is healthy. But, um, so anyway, he agreed and I actually, I actually made it a rule. I said, okay, for this year that we work together, no races and you can only run three miles per week. Okay. <laughs> three miles kill, per, three miles me. per week. Okay. Um, <laughs> And so we started introducing, you know, some weight training, some high intensity interval stuff. And, um, we got him on a, a really, really good precision supplement plan. Um, got his stress levels down, got him sleeping. But I mean, within three months he was 200 pounds and he was like, what is happening to me? And I'm like, you're not working so hard. I said, the only activity you're allowed to do for more than 30 minutes is walking. That's it. If you want to go take a walk, go for it. That's the only activity you're allowed to do for more than 30 minutes. And and here he is. I mean, we're, we're a couple of years down the road, but he's 
feeling great. He's maintained it. You know, he's at 190 pounds. He feels great. He's, and now he's balanced. Right. So now he's, you know, he went out for a six mile run the other day and, and sure. felt great, <laughs> felt great on a six mile run. Actually his, you know, his pace has improved. And um, so anyway, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Well, you know what? And I think I've shared this with you and, and I'm, I think you've read my book as well, but one of the concepts I talk about in my book is the wheels of health, right? And, and you need, and all of them need to be balanced and you, you need to, you know, keep them all aligned and, you know, and the, the four wheels are pretty simple. It's eating right, uh, stress management, exercise and sleep or recovery. And when I look back, you know, years ago, um, when I had, when I actually almost died and was in a coma from a marathon, my fitness levels would have been through the off the charts, but my other three wheels were, I'll say all, they were all flat, right? I wasn't sleeping yeah. well. My stress levels were, were crazy. And my nutrition was terrible because I was of the mindset that if you worked out every day, that would keep me healthy. That was my mindset. Right. Yeah. And just, and if I'm not feeling good, work out harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Right? So, yep. yeah. So yeah. I, a great story um about your client and uh, sounds like he's still a client so so that's awesome yeah no it's good yeah you you know you can't you're right about diet you can't you can't outwork a bad diet um by that i mean you can outwork the amount of calories you're eating that's i mean that's easy right so i can go out and eat whatever i want and if i go out and burn it all great but that doesn't change what that food's doing to you on the inside yeah, for sure. Right. It doesn't yeah. change that. I, yeah. And I, for sure, always underestimated the importance of, of nutrition for sure. Yeah. And sleep and some of the other things we're going to talk about today. So um, for our listeners, as I said, in my uh, introduction, uh, Sean uh, played uh, pro ball in uh, MLB for five years, had a great career. Um, so Sean, I'm going to ask you looking back, um, what would, what would have you done different today from I'll say a health standpoint uh, knowing what you know today, if you were to go back to your old self, okay, and give yourself advice when you went into in, in, into the majors, what did, what would you do differently, or what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I have thought a lot about that question. Um, it's a, I, I don't regret where I am right now. Um, I know that God truly like everything happens for a reason, right? And 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 I had injuries and got out of the game, and it was for a reason, but. I can't help but think about those things that I would have done differently. And they all have to do with, I mean, almost all of them have to do with in a way kind of like that rest and sleep and recovery. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start, I'll say one of the reasons that I had a really hard time, I think is because, you know, baseball, you play at night, right. And I was a relief pitcher. So I actually, my most stressful period for the entire day, my highest adrenaline levels were happening at like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. that's not, that's not natural and that's not good for your sleep. Right. So, um, when cortisol, your stress hormones really high, right. Typically that should be highest, like right when you wake up in the morning and then it should kind of like kind of slowly fall, kind of level out in the afternoon so that you've got a little bit of energy in the afternoon and then it should fall down and just basically be on zero. Um, when you go to sleep, your body cannot make melatonin in the presence of cortisol. So if you're having problems sleeping, there you go. That might be one place that you start, right? Don't start with a sleep medication. Let's start with trying to kind of figure that out. But um, one of the things that I would do is like, I can't, I can't choose when I'm going to pitch, 
But what I can choose is what happens after the game, right? So after the game, like as soon as I finish, I have to start that process of getting my body wound down so that I can start so that I can sleep well. And it's not uncommon for baseball players. Uh, and it wasn't uncommon for me to be up till 4, 4 a.m. Um, just because I'm, I'm on a rush. Okay. And then I get done and I work out right after the game because I want to work out. And then right. And then after the workout, I eat a bunch of food. Yeah. Cause I'm starving yeah. and I go back to the hotel or I go back home and I watch TV, play video games, sit on my phone, get hungry again. Cause I've burned a lot of calories really late at night, eat again. And it's, you know, 1am, 2am. And now I'm trying to go to sleep and it's like, what are you doing to yourself? Right. And so, you know, I would have, I would have pitched, I would have worked out well before the game. I would have, and it wouldn't have had to be this big, intense workout. Cause now I know I don't have to overwork, right? I can do a lot in a really short amount of time. I would have worked out before the game. I would have pitched as soon as the game was over. I would have taken uh, different supplements to actually bring my cortisol levels down. I would have definitely introduced things like GABA and melatonin and L-theanine right after the game to kind of calm my mind, calm my nerves, bring my adrenaline down, bring my cortisol to zero so that I can actually start getting, you know, my body ready for bed. I wouldn't have spent my, I would have spent my time, you know, in the hotel room at night reading and not just filling my mind with mindless blue lights. Um, there, I mean, there's just a number of things I would have done differently as far as kind of preparing for, for sleep and that kind of thing. Yeah. And sleep, you know, as, as you know, well, I mean, it's, it's our recovery. It's when we recover. Right. And it's, uh, I know you, you uh, follow my health blog and whenever I do one on sleep, it is by far and away the most yeah. read blogs because there's so many people that, that have trouble sleeping. And, you know, to your point, all those remedies that you were talking about, um, I actually just wrote a recent run at one and it was called trick yourself to sleep. And it's really getting your body and your mind, all those things you're talking about, you know, having the nighty night teas and the melatonin and shutting your drapes and no EMFs at night. Some of our members as well, in terms of just, you know, getting your body so that when you go to sleep, you sleep. Right. So, and then, you know, from your standpoint, if you had done that, perhaps you wouldn't have been, I'll say, as maybe injury prone or inflamed oh, or you know, definitely. Or yeah. And if, and if I had, you know, the, uh, the other couple of things I would have done, right. Number one, I would have understood my genetics. Um, I've got some genes that are working really hard against me, especially really hard against me to be an athlete. Um, because my body wants to create and hold on to inflammation. My body's very quick to, to create inflammation which, you know, if I was a caveman, that's actually a really good thing. I probably would have survived uh, more than people because, you know, something bites your arm, you need some inflammation to send some healing there. But um, in our modern world and modern society and trying to pitch every single night, that's a really rough uh, roadblock to try to overcome. So I would have, you know, I would have known how to supplement to kind of combat that to help kind of turn that gene off. Um, the other thing that I really would like to talk, spend a little bit of time talking about, because probably a lot of the people that follow you and listen to you do quite a bit of traveling. Um, and, you know, when I was playing, it's a lot of time traveling, hotel rooms and airplanes. Uh, air travel uh, is devastating to your physical health. Devastating. 
And it doesn't matter how many people I tell that to, they're still going to fly as much and travel as much as they want to. And I'm the exact same way. I know how much flying wrecks your body and traveling is my favorite thing in the world to do. So I still do it, right? Because we like to go places. We like to do new experiences. So how do we mitigate some of that damage from air travel? That's one of the things that I really wish um, that I would have known when I was playing. And nobody was talking about that. Yeah. And And even to this day, no one's really talking about it. But like, you know, there's things, I don't know how much, if on your podcast is, if you've talked about molecular hydrogen, but it yeah. does such a, it does such a good job of, of buffering that oxidative stress from air travel. Um, that now when I, tra- I'm not even playing anymore and I, and I use this when I air travel, but, but I do this. And, and if it's a long flight, I, I mean, I, I usually will drink one every hour during the flight. Um, the other thing that's really, really important to do when you fly is to not eat. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do because we're just bored and just feel like we're just sitting there. But I mean, when I was flying, um, when you're playing major league baseball and you've got these private, you know, chartered flights and you come up on the plane and there's just a feast of anything you can think of. Um, it's really tempting to just want to sit there and eat all flight long. And you've constantly got, um, you know, flight attendants coming by and asking you if you want this and you want this and you want this and you want this. And it's really tempting and everybody else is doing it. So you should do it too. I won't even get into the alcohol portion of that. Um, But I mean, eating while you fly is really bad. And so one of the best ways to actually, um, you know, uh, buffer like the radiation that you're exposed to during air travel is for your body to be in ketosis. If your body's in ketosis, um, you feel amazing when you get there. Like you feel like you want to go do a workout when you get there, which is actually a really good thing too to do right after you land somewhere. Um, so now when I travel, I mean, if I can, I do it in a fasted state. Um, I don't eat before the flight. I don't eat on the flight and I eat. If I feel like it, I eat as soon as I get to where I'm going. And that's one of the easiest hacks for kind of, um, hacking your circadian rhythm, jet lag, those kind of things. Like if jet lag's a real thing that you experience, you've got to stop eating when you travel. Yeah, that's, you know what, it's amazing because you're right. I mean, nobody has talked about that for forever. And uh, I've personally done research on it and I totally agree with you. And I'm into the hydrogen tablets, thanks to you as well. Um, but I, you know, um, I take them every day, uh, one or two a day, but when same thing, when I fly, I, I load up on them. Um, one thing I don't do is, uh, or I haven't done, and I've got to try it is, uh, and I've got a flight in a couple of weeks is, uh, fast pre and during my flight. I usually pack my own food because I want mm-hmm. to make it super healthy. Right. But I generally don't fast. Right. So I, it's, I it's, 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 it, it truly is amazing. Um, I mean, we, we've, we all know about fasting now. Fasting is popular. Um, we know that it's got more benefits than just losing weight, right? If, you're, if you care at all about longevity and you're not fasting, then you need to kind of rethink what the heck you're doing because that should be the step one thing that you do because fasting is not only free, but it, it actually saves you a lot of money because <laughs> you're not having to go out and buy food all the time. But so I tell people is like, I see, I see so many clients that, um, are very happy to spend tens of thousands of dollars on crazy longevity stuff. Um, and they're not willing to go a day without eating. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to re we got to reprioritize some of this. Um, 
but yeah, try that, Kevin. Try fasting. And if you want to take it a step further, what I do is I actually fast and I'll take some exogenous ketones um, to like really enhance the ketosis that I'm in during the flight. Yeah. Um, and you feel you feel really good when you get where you're going. You feel and really how, good. And how many hours before you fly would you typically fast? Well, what time would your flight typically be at? Let's, well, it depends. Let's say I'm I, just, for example, let's say I'm taking a four o'clock, I've got a four o'clock flight out West in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I just, I mean, you know, it, it may take a little bit of uh, a process for you to get there, but I wouldn't like, if I was taking a four o'clock flight, I wouldn't eat that day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would just go, um, you know, ketosis really happens. There's, there's a lot of ways you can get your body into ketosis. I mean, I can drink a bottle of MCT oil and get my body in ketosis, but, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons not to do that, uh, especially, you know, if you don't want to run to the bathroom, but, um, you know, when you're talking about just not eating and getting into ketosis, um, you're not going to get to the levels that are really going to protect you from flying until you're like, um, you know, think like 14, 15, 16 hours getting to kind of that point. So, you know, eat your dinner, you know, eat as much dinner as you want, but then wake up. And, you know, by the time you get to that four o'clock flight, you're going to be 18 or 20 hours fasted, um, which you're going to be in a kind of a deeper state of ketosis, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, let's, while we're on fasting, let's talk about that because there's a lot going around and books and Walter Longo's work on intermittent fasting. And mm-hmm. you know, I've done a bunch of, you know, cause I use kind of use my body as a guinea pig in many instances, but yeah, me too. Uh, I, I've tried different, uh, different strategies. So from your perspective, what would be in an I- ideal way, let's say somebody's never fasted, what would be, what would you recommend in terms of either starting off and then B would be, you know, down the road, once they, once they're used to it, what would be optimal? Like once a week, yeah. it once a month, like what typically, what would you suggest? So if you've never fasted before, you've got to start with just intermittent fasting. So, you know, pick like three days a week and just say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go 16 hours without eating anything. Right. So that basically gives you eight hours a day to get all your calories in. Um, that's typically... So- yeah. So just on that, so you would have your dinner, let's say at six or seven at night and then not eat again that night, not eat the next morning till, till yep. lunch, let's say. Yep. Yeah. Just think about like, you know, you're eating noon to 8 PM or 11 AM to 7 PM. That's a great place to start with fasting. Um, if you've never done it, pick a few days a week, just start there. Um, as you kind of get used to it, um, you know, your, your digestive system has a you know, it has a clock just like your circadian rhythm. I mean, um, it, it like it really does. Like your body does not want to have to digest food all day long. And you might ask, well, how do I know what my, what my body's or my digestive system's circadian rhythm is? If the sun is in the sky, then it's ready to work. And if, it, if it's dark outside, your body does not want to digest food. Like it just doesn't. And that's just like Real. the easiest, it's yeah. like the easiest way to think about that. And so, you know, during the summer, I mean, you know, unless you're living in like Alaska and I know you got some Canadians way up there, so you may get a little long days and long nights, but, um, so that might change some advice you give, but, um, really to think about it, I mean, you should eat when the sun is in the sky and you should not eat when it's dark. That's the easiest way to think about it. But as far as like more extended fasts, I'll tell you what I do. 
uh, and I'll tell you what my followers do. Um, so I've created a f- totally free fasting community. Um, it's super easy to opt in. All you have to do is text the word fast, F-A-S-T, to the phone number 77513. That's it. And I don't know how that works crossing the uh, the old border up there, but um, it's, a, it's a totally free thing where I uh, go in and we've got a fasting regimen that we put people on. And typically what I like to do is once a week fast for 24 hours. Okay. And once a month fast for 36 hours and once a quarter fast for 42 to 72 hours. Routine that I have, that I'm on and that I have other people doing. Um, and then from the day-to-day basis, I mean, certain days we will do a eight hour eating window, six hour eating windows, four hour eating windows and 12 hour eating windows. So that's kind of what we like to do. So 12 hour eating windows think like this is your standard, eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, four hour eating window. Um, you know, that's like eating, you know, three to 7 PM, something like that, eating and trying to get a couple meals in during that time. Um, but man, I've getting a lot of really good feedback on this and we've got over 500 people now who are doing this and awesome. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, so yeah, I'm going to sign up for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I typically do the, uh, I'll say the 12 to 16 hour, but I'm doing that maybe once or twice a week, you know? So now let me ask you, um, I typically work out every morning and I think, you know, through, through your influence, I alternate between cardio and doing weights and that type of thing. So, with intermittent fasting, are you okay to work out as you normally would in the morning? I do. Yeah. So I, I do all my workouts in the morning too. Yeah. Um, and your body is totally fine working out in a fasted state. Totally yeah. fine. And what's even crazier is that your body is going to be totally fine, not taking in a ton of calories right afterwards. Now it kind of depends on your goals, right? If your goals are longevity, workout fasted, um, what I like to do is take amino acids right after a workout when I'm in a fasted state, cause your body kind of stays fasted because they're already broken down into amino acids. You don't have to digest any of that. Um, but you're, you get to start that like rebuilding and recovery process. Um, if one of your goals is like, I want to put on weight and I want to put on muscle mass, it's not a good idea to, to not consume calories after you work out plain and simple. So Um, you know, if you were like, Hey, Sean, like, I want to, I want to bulk up, like, I want to get some muscle mass put on me. I think I'm getting too skinny. And that's not a, you know, if you wanted to work out in the morning, you'd have to, you know, throw down some calories. That's just the nature of it. Um, but if you're more concerned with, Hey, like I want to stay fit, I want to stay strong. Um, or I, Hey, I want to lose weight. Um, then you're totally fine working out fasted and just having amino acids afterwards so so that's interesting because i i do have aminos after i work out but I, oh, okay but i figured that uh that broke my fast so i thought ah, i'm not really fasting you know i mean if so. we were like being you know if this was a legal matter then yeah you, you would have broken your fast but for our, for the purposes of um kind of tricking your body 
that it's still fasting, the amino acids do a really good job. Really, okay. really good job of that. And, and I'll, I'll ask you one other question. So I, I do like my morning coffee. Of course, it's organic and I fresh ground it and I order my own beans and everything else. So I typically have a little espresso before I work out in the morning. And does that count as part of my intermittent fasting? I'm hoping you're saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So I, I, I let people, I let people do black coffee or espresso. Um, yeah. I let them do teas, like unsweetened teas to do that fasted. In fact, um, you know, there may be what, like three and a half calories in your espresso shot there. So, um, typically what I like to say is if it's, you know, if it's under 30 calories, uh, you're probably still in a fasted state yeah. if it's under 30 calories. Um, one thing to think about with, with like caffeine. Okay. Um, people never know what to do with caffeine. They're like, is caffeine good for me? Is it bad for me? Is coffee good for me? Is it bad for me? Caffeine, coffee, green tea, like these things are great for you. Like it's silly for people to say this stuff isn't good for you. Like it, it's great for you. In fact, you should be, you should think about never drinking green tea or coffee while you eat, but only drinking it in a fasted state. We know that these things are like just potent with antioxidants. Um, and we also know that your body cannot really use these antioxidants if you're consuming it with other food, even so much, like if you were to put cream in your coffee, that like, that's going to blunt some of the effect of some of these antioxidants in your coffee. Um, so I actually encourage people, like if you're going to fast, like, yeah, have a little black coffee or have a little green tea, like like it's good for you, especially if you're, especially if one of your goals is weight loss, um, caffeine is going to speed up the process of your body creating ketones, um, which is going to be a good thing for losing fat. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good news. Cause that's what I do. So that's perfect. Yeah, no, it's good news. <laughs> and, I, I, and I do, I do, I've done a lot of research on coffee and I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, I, I think there's a ton of benefits to it, but of course, no sugar, no cream or no milk, just good, wholesome, organic, black coffee beans. Right. So yeah. totally. I'm a big, I'm a big coffee snob. sounds like you are. And French presses and free pours and our whole I thing. Know. I know. I know it gets a little out of control, but people are like, no, I don't like black coffee. And I'm like, well, if you drink good coffee, you would like it. Love it. Love you it. would, you would. Yeah. So uh, I'm all about that. Well, I also find it gives me that little kick you need, especially uh, when you roll out of bed in the morning to have a good, I mean, I had that this morning, a little shot of my freshly ground espresso before I did a weight workout, you know? So yeah. What's the, awesome. what's the first thing you do? Uh, what's the first thing you put in your body when you first wake up in the morning? So uh, first thing I do is um, first of all, I, uh, the first, very first thing I do is my hydrogen, my uh, okay. hydrogen. I have that. Uh, so I, pop in usually just one. Um, and then while I do that, I kind of make my coffee and I, and I have my coffee right after that. And then I, and then I go to work out is what oh. I do. And usually when I work out, I actually, most of the time do have my aminos while I'm working out and after I work out. So I'll put them that's, in. Up. Yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, cool. No, I was, I was asking because I think so many people run to the coffee maker, um, first thing in the morning before they ever drink water. And that's one of the, easiest things you can do to kind of change your health uh, and change the trajectory of your health is if you just drink some water right when you first wake up. So like when you first wake up, your body's in its most dehydrated state that it's been in all day long. 
And we know that when your body's dehydrated, it goes into like a conservatory mode. It's like, it wants to, it wants to hold on to things. And if you're trying to lose weight, right. Um, you don't want your body to hold on to anything. Like you don't want to hold on to anything. Uh, and, and when your body is in a dehydrated state, it slows its metabolism down to conserve energy. And that's another thing you really don't want whenever you're trying to lose weight. So I encourage people, whether you're trying to lose weight or not, I encourage people this, but wake up and drink water. And if it can be room temperature water, it's even better. One of the, so I don't know how familiar you are with like Ayurvedic medicine, um, but it's like this East, right? It's like Eastern medicine. And there's a lot of truth in this, right? And I'm, you know, I'm kind of like in the middle, like East for eats east meets west a little bit but one of the things that that you that they do in ayurvedic practices is actually to consume they they put it in their palm and now i can't tell you why they put it in their palm but i just like to drink it from a glass but um you drink a little bit of room temperature water so overnight your mouth has a lot of bacteria in it right because you're sitting there like breathing you're all nasty sleeping and when you drink water right when you first wake up that bacteria is a good thing. And you take that bacteria and you drink some water and you send it down. Right. And that bacteria actually can go and strengthen like your bacteria colony inside your gut. And it's like, and it's like, we've got these guys right here. And so many people wake up and it's like, wake up. And the first things they do are either drink piping hot coffee, which destroys it, uh, or brush their teeth which destroys it. It's like really what you should be doing is just drink a little room temperature water before you do anything else. And it'll actually improve your gut health, which is a, another free little hack. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't, I do that, but I w- wasn't doing that intentionally, but now I'll think about that. So yeah, just so you know, you're probably seeing me right now. I'm drinking my lukewarm room temperature water. That's uh, filtered twice. Right. So yeah. Cheers. Same. There you go. Cheers. <laughs> Good job. Um, so that's, uh, that's uh, great. Uh, the whole area of fasting, cause it, it has had a lot of press lately. So I think you've clarified, clarified a bunch of things there, Sean. So thanks for that. Um, one of the areas we did touch on earlier that I really want to just dive in a bit is the whole diet and you mentioned ketosis and obviously now there's vegan and plant-based and paleo and carnivore. So I'd like uh, your opinion on, uh, and, and maybe one size doesn't fit, fit all. I think, you know, myself, I, I call myself, I don't call myself a vegan. I call myself plant-based, meaning I mostly try to eat plants, mm-hmm. right? I still eat some fish when it's, I mean, sure it's, it's, it's uh, wild and organic and everything else, but um, that's my own, my own protocol, but I'd be interested just to hear your thoughts on that, on that whole area. Um. Yeah. You know, you say there's not no one size fits all. I don't think that there's a one size fits anyone. Okay. I true. I truly think that I don't think that you can put people in a diet box. Um, and I've looked at a lot of different genetic stuff and, you know, even considered like their origin where they came from. I don't think I mean, we can, I think that your genetics can tell you what you should and shouldn't be eating to an extent, but I don't think that someone can sit here and say like, I have to eat the paleo diet or I have to be on a ketogenic diet or I, I have to be vegan. Um, 
my philosophy is kind of just eat food, <laughs> like eat, f- like if it's f- real, if it's actual food, um, you can eat it. Right. And you know, if, if one of your goals is, you know, to break an Olympic record, then maybe we change some of that. Or if you need to lose a hundred pounds, like obviously we'll, we'll, we'll kind of refine and change some of those things. But in general, my opinion is that what people eat is uh, people put way too much thought into that. Um, so you're almost, you're, you're almost along my, Michael Pollan's uh, philosophy of eat real food, not too much. Right? That's it. I love that quote. Yeah. I love that quote. So yeah, I mean, it, you, people ask me all the time, like, Sean, like, what, what diet are you on? And I'm like, well, I don't, I, I hate, I hate that question. Um, it's like, I guess the closest thing you could say that I'm on is maybe paleo. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of just, I eat food and I don't eat toxic oils. We can talk about that. I think that's one of the worst things that people are doing. Um, but I, I, I still like, you know, my number one rule for people eating and choosing what to eat is if someone invites you to their house and they cook for you, you eat whatever they made you, whether, whether it fits what you think you should be eating or not. Um, but you know, I, people ask me a lot of times too, and you say you're plant-based and so you only eat fish. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. I, I literally have not had any, uh, any meat in, I don't know, three or four, maybe five years now. Oh, see, like, that just uh, to each his own right but that like sends waves of like sadness down my body um because <laughs> i i like really like i i just hurt for you like i'm just sitting here like closing my eyes and imagining this like steak but um see i used to be like that and, and in fact i would eat meat three times a day like breakfast lunch dinner because i thought yeah. it was the right thing to do you spoke earlier about you know your your early days when you thought you were eating healthy yeah i thought it was and every meal i had uh, meat and i had uh, carbs and i eat uh, you know yeah. salad and three times a day and then i and then you know i started um go when i kind of um, changed my health around i started cutting down on on my meat yeah. Um, but for me, I just felt better. Like I just felt much better. And then I went once a week and then even once a week, I wake up the next day and I wouldn't feel good. So, you know, I think it's your point earlier, like what it's not like, I didn't do it for any other reason than it just made me feel better, lighter. And probably cause I didn't have to digest it the way it, you know, or whatever. I don't know what was, but I just felt better. So yeah. it's not that, I, and I'll never say I'll never have it again because, you know, um, when I say three or four or five years, I'm sure the odd time with my son, Matt, who, had, as you know, is trying to make the world CrossFit games when he's had an ace juicy steak, I've, you know, probably had a, you know, a bit. So, yeah, but, uh, but it's just not part of my diet anymore. And I really don't miss it. And I used to crave it, you know? Um, yeah. One of I just, I think that, you know, I'm happy to hear that you eat some meat. Because I think there's there's things in meat that just aren't found in other foods. And you are going to be very hard-pressed to get what you need not eating meat. And um, from an amino acid profile, I mean, it is really hard to eat a vegan diet and get what you really need. Um, it's like I, I saw this picture the other day on social media. Here I am. Uh, yes, I was looking at social media, but I saw this picture on there and it was like, it was a bowl of broccoli, I think it was. And it was a, it was a, yeah, what was it? Oh, it was like a, 
100 calories here here's what it was 100 calories of broccoli has the same amount of protein as 100 calories of steak and it was a pro vegan it was a pro vegan kind of like social post and so i saw this and i was like no way that is crazy 100 calories of broccoli has the same same protein as 100 calories of steak so you read that and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, well, you know what? I guess what? Guess what? I should be a vegan. Like that makes total sense. I can get everything I need. But here's the thing. Do you know what a hundred calories of broccoli looks like? It is like eight bowls of broccoli. Um, and you know what a hundred calories of steak looks like? It is like a little two ounce piece of steak. It's literally two ounces. Wow. And so you're telling me, okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. This isn't the whole story. So I have to eat eight bowls of this and two ounces of this. And then think what that's going to do to my digest. Like, can you imagine eating eight bowls of broccoli? Like how much, like you would, you would literally have gas for like two weeks. That would be so, that would be so bad for you. It'd be bad for everyone in your life. But, um, and then if you go a step further and you look at the amino acids, okay, let me look at all the essential amino acids. Okay, so if I eat these eight cups of broccoli or these eight bowls of broccoli, man, I'm still missing seven of the 10 essential amino acids. It's like, oh, wait, I get all of all that I need from this one little two ounce piece of steak. Obviously, I'm an advocate for like really high quality meat. Like don't yeah. just go don't go eat meat because it's meat. But um, but I think that there's I think that there's an essential area for meat in a diet um, period, whether you care about, you know, muscle or fitness or longevity. Um, I know a lot of the argument for like blue zones and Hey, these people aren't eating meat and that kind of thing. I've looked at that. There's, there's plenty of blue zones where all people eat as meat too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? And, and cause I've, I've done all the research on that as well. And, and, you know, I would say they're eating overall, they would be eating less meat than, than I'll say the standard North American diet, but they are still having, you know, consuming meat. They are. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of other things at play in those communities. Totally. Right. There's a lot of things with community and relationships and, uh, environmental toxins and just what they spend their time doing stress levels. Like it's movement, just walking and, you know, hiking yeah. and farmlands and yeah, for sure. There's a lot of factors. It's not yeah, just definitely. Yeah. No, I, 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 um, and I told you this offline, um, earlier, but I did a, you know, I've, I've read a lot about the, like the carnivore diet and people are like, you know, thinking it's like the greatest thing in the world. And I'm like confused, right. As you can imagine, I'm like confused. How, like how in the world could this be the greatest thing ever? Um, so I decided I did 30 days on a carnivore diet, just kind but, of, sorry, Sean, just for happened. our listeners, can you just define carnivore diet? Just yeah. Carnivore, carnivore diet is that is basically, um, you just eat meat. That's it. Uh, you eat all animal products. So the idea is you can be successful on a carnivore diet if all you're going to eat is the muscle of an animal. But to really do it successfully, you have to eat the muscle, you have to eat the skin, the tendons, the ligaments, the organs. Like that's how you're going to be able to like actually thrive on a carnivore diet. Um, there's different variations of it. The idea is that plants are toxic. Okay. And I'm not telling you this. I'm just telling you the philosophy of the carnivore diet. Okay. Plants are toxic and certain plants are more toxic than other plants. So Kevin, if I was running at you with a knife right now, 
Okay. What would you do? Jump out of the way. Okay. So you, you, you have, you have the ability, right. To move your body, to run away, to jump, to fight back, those kind of things. Okay. Um, if you were a plant who desperately wants to survive survival of the fittest, um, and I come at you with, you know, a knife to cut you down, you know, what, what are you going to do? Or if I'm an animal and I'm coming to eat you, what can you do to keep from being eaten? Well, the animal's going to fight back and, and the plant will, to some extent, depending on what type of plant it is, they generally can't do anything, but sometimes you get thorns or you get other, you know, other things, right? Other, other things, right. And, and these other things are really, um, uh, chemicals, phytochemicals that are produced by the plants to keep animals from eating them. That's like their survival mechanism is they produce these things so that animals don't eat them. It's like kind of a, you know, and, and different plants produce them at different levels. So I've, I've got a garden at my house uh, that I grow stuff and I don't have a fence around my garden. And so it's kind of this fun little experiment because I get to see what plants animals will not touch, Right got a lot of animals out where I live. Uh, there's a lot of plants that I grow that animals will not touch. And I got to be honest, it makes me second guess why I'm eating it. You know, why am I, eating? I mean, I, animals will not touch kale. <laughs> they just won't, <laughs> they won't, they won't touch it. Um, it's what I just had for lunch, kale salad. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that funny? But uh, the, you know, we eat kale because it's got a lot of like, it's got a lot of good stuff in it, but it's like, well, is this good stuff being offset by this bad stuff in it? And I don't know the answer. I, I really don't. I'm still kind of trying to figure this out, but um, it's interesting concept to think about that all plants are producing some level of toxins to keep animals from eating it. Yeah. Now fruits, think about fruits. So what, what does a plant do with the fruit? It drops the fruit and it's basically saying like, eat me, eat the fruit that I just gave you and don't, don't eat me, don't eat my leaves, don't eat my stems, don't eat, but eat the fruit that I'm producing for you. And so um, fruits, fruit generally isn't toxic, doesn't have any of these toxins in them. Um, so it's kind of this, it's this weird thing, you know, I'll be honest, I'm still kind of figuring it out, but I did 30 days on this, on this all meat diet. Um, so I ate the skin and the organs and the, you know, I still, cringe sometimes at organ meat. I never really liked it, but, um, <laughs> sorry, that's all you ate for 30 days. That's all I ate for 30 days. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just, um, yeah, literally that's all I had. I had meat organs, skin, ligaments, tendons. Um, I did do some bone broth and I did do like animal fats, like ghee, uh, tallow, some like uh, bacon grease, like those kind of things. So I did that for 30 days. You were on the Ben, Ben Greenfield, uh, regimen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even more so than him. So yeah, yeah, uh, I know uh, to the full extent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it was, it was interesting to see what happened. Um, like energy levels, uh, I didn't notice any changes. So no positive changes, no negative changes, uh, body composition in 30 days. You know, I, I lost like 6% body fat um, and actually gained muscle. Um, so that was remarkable. I thought, um, the biggest issue I had was really just digestion. Um, so like I'm a very regular go to the bathroom guy and I was very irregular, uh, during those 30 days. Um, 
So anyway, it was an interesting experiment to say the least. Did you take, did you take any other uh, blood levels, like any other markers, like your, you know, everything, I'll say cholesterol or any other markers that you did any uh, experiment? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did experimentation. So testosterone went up. Um, wow. I'm generally a very low testosterone guy and, and not willing to, not willing to change that medically because I'm only 33 years old, but, but did testosterone went up, cholesterol went through the roof. I mean, through the roof, uh, total cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, HDL, which is your good cholesterol. I mean, took a, took a really positive leap. Um, inflammatory markers went down. Um, so it's kind of this, this idea, you know, if, um, it's like, how bad is high cholesterol? And it's like, we don't really know. We know it's bad, but is it bad when your inflammation's low? Or is it fine? Like, you know, it's, I don't know that anyone really knows the answer to that. Um, yeah. But it, it definitely was interesting. Yeah. And your inflammation, did you test through C-reactive protein? Was that, was that how uh -huh. you tested that? Yeah, C-reactive protein and also looked at homocysteine levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and those were both down. Wow. Interesting. So, so, so what's your summary? What's your, um, from that 30 day experiment, what's your hypothesis on that? Or what's your summary? <laughs> My summary on that is that, you know, really since that experiment, I'm not still on a carnivore diet. Okay. Cause, um, I did not want to run to the bathroom all the time. Um, but kind of the, the thing for me was that, uh, eating really good, high quality meat, my body did great with. Um, so I've, I've definitely decreased the amount of like salads that I eat. I'm still eating vegetables. Um, and I'm eating more cooked vegetables than I am raw vegetables. So when you think about if you're cooking it, um, it's going to break down those toxin levels, um, uh, from the plants. So I'm eating way more cooked vegetables, uh, way less raw, like salads, um, eating really high quality meats. Um, I'm not eating giant portions of meat like I was during the 30 days, right? I'm doing more like, you know, if we're dividing our plate out uh, and it's got four sections, the meat's going to take up one of those sections, but it's not going to take up all four of them anymore, but it's, it's taken up one of those sections. And, um, and the other three are filled with mostly vegetables and maybe, maybe a little fruit. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Good. And you're feeling well and good and I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Right. Yeah. Who knows next month, next month I'll be onto something new, I'm sure. But well, it sounds like you're like me trying different things and see what uh, works and what feels well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Self-experimentation is. I don't have all the answers. I think the easy thing for people to do is to hire somebody and say like, all right, here you go you know, I'm starting to pay you money now. Now give me the answers and give me everything you need that I need to do. And it's not that easy. If it really was that easy, I'd just post it all on my website and you could just go do it for yourself. But it does take a little bit of strategic self-experimentation to really figure out what's best for you. Yeah. That, and, everybody, I mean, and everybody's different, as you said earlier, and you know, everybody, yeah, into it. And yeah, there's so everybody, many everybody's so different. And, and we, you know, we talked about fasting and I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of fasting. Fasting works great for me. Um, I've got a client who I, you know, I, I put her on a plan for fasting and I thought it was going to be the greatest thing in the world and it didn't work. Right. And, and that's not my fault. It's not her fault, but we had to change the plan. And now she's doing something that, um, 
would probably not be good for my health, right? She's eating like every two to three hours. She's eating like a small meal, um, but she's feeling better. She's getting, you know, more success on the scale, you know? And so, like you said, everyone is so, so individualized and um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into our health just than what we're eating too, right? Or even the exercise we're doing. There's, there's a whole mind, body, spirit connection there. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's not just what we eat. There's, there's the other components. Yeah, for sure. So Sean, in the essence of time, uh, cause we've, uh, we'll be wrapping up, uh, shortly, but, um, uh, can you just share with, uh, our listeners, how you work with, with your clients or I'll say our clients as well? Like what's the, you know, the type of work and the engagement and how, you know, how, how that works, if you could. Yeah. So kind of, kind of where I operate is, um, I call it the 12 month optimized plan. So this is like my VIP program. So, um, you sign up and, and you're committing to a full year with me. Um, that usually scares off about 90% of the people that talk to me, um, <laughs> right there. Just the fact that you have to commit. No one, no one wants to commit to anything for a year. We're, we live in such a, uh, month to month contract kind of world, uh, Netflix, we can thank them for that. But, um, you know, I, it's, it's a big deal to commit to your health for 12 months. And I want people, I want to work with people who are willing to do that. Um, it's okay if it's not easy to commit to do that. I understand that, but I want people who are willing to commit to do that. Um, and so, you know, how does that VIP program look? You know, we take you in, we do an initial consultation. Um, and then you have full access to me really at any time you want. I'm like your personal agent for your health. Um, so, if you've ever got a question or anything you want to run by me, text, phone call, I'm your guy. Um, but we definitely want to have these kind of formal meetings set up every month where we set goals for the month. And then it's my job to hold you accountable and to check in on those goals throughout the week with you. And then each month we sit down, reevaluate your progress that month and set some new goals. So these goals that we set are not ever results driven. Um, you know, uh, I have used the lose weight idea a lot, but you know, if your goal was to lose, uh, we would never set a goal that said lose 10 pounds this month. We just wouldn't do that. We, instead, we, we set goals to build systems and habits, uh, so that it becomes natural, right? We never want to check a box that a goal is complete, right? We want to check it off to say, Hey, this goal, this system that we've been trying to build it's just happening now and it's a habit and I like it and it's not making my life harder. It's making my life easier and it feels simple and I'm not confused. And at that point, when a client tells me all of those things, I can cross it off the list and I can say, okay, that's now a habit. Now let's build a new system. And so what we do over the course of 12 months is just to kind of layer these in on top of each other. And, you know, at the end of 12 months, the goal is that you are, feeling good, looking good, and on the right trajectory for long-term health. So very, very long-term health for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know what? That's so important. What I hear you saying is you build the the foundation, right? Instead of the quick hit. I mean, we both, you know, you know, last time I Googled um, diet books, uh, even on Amazon, there was, you know, 800,000 plus diet, yeah. you know, self-help kind of books. And it's, and, you know, the reason they don't work is because pe- they may work for 30 days, but after that, people say, I don't want to do this anymore. And they go back to kind of their old habits. And it sounds like, and I know from experience, what you're doing with, with our members and your community is you're, you're building those habits so that they, and, and, you know, habits are, 
are fairly easy if you're feeling better and looking better and people are telling you you're you're looking better and you have yeah. more energy and you're sleeping better then you, you know why wouldn't you continue that right absolutely absolutely so um we have a couple of uh you know uh newer options that we've thrown in in the last six months so i've I brought on another coach and he's amazing he's actually a pharmacist um he's a pharmacist who hates medicine if you can believe that wow. and it's he's he's created this very unique niche he's gone on to functional medicine help to be a functional medicine health coach and what he does is he works with people in a 12-week program okay so a 12-week program for people who have been put on prescription medication and they're not okay with taking that medication for the rest of their life that's like his niche um and um he in 12 weeks, his goal, I mean, really in 12 weeks, his goal is to get you off that medication for actually his goal in 12 weeks is that your doctor is not even recommending that medication anymore. Um, and it's so, amazing how the body heals if you give it the right nutrients and, yeah. and, you know, the right movement and, and sleep and, you know, right. Like, it's amazing. I, I think, you know, I experienced that myself at one point where my doctor wanted to put me on three different meds, right. For high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol and I was pre-diabetic and it was against my values. And, and that was really my turning point along my health journey. Right. Yeah. Um, but in less than a month, all my levels were not even <laughs> average. They were below average, right? Like it was, it was, it's crazy how quickly the body can heal. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes that wake up call. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. Good. And you're, you spoke about your community. I know you're big on the whole community and sharing. Can you just share how that works with, with your yeah. members? Yeah, for sure. So um, we've built a community, we've got a free fasting community, so anyone can opt in on that. Um, but we've got another community called the thrive community. And this is where, like, if you actually want to have some personal engagement uh, with me and Brian, who's the other coach in our community, um, we do a once weekly live call. So it's kind of every other week is a live Q and a where I'm sitting here, just like we're talking now and you hop on, can ask me anything you want to ask me. Um, and, uh, and then the other weeks are actually more teaching. So Brian comes on and creates content and it's evergreen content. So you hop into the community anytime and it's going to be new content. You stay in the community for five years. You'll never see content get repeated. Um, but we're constantly trying to teach people and push people to be their best self. Um, and like people are always like, well, how do I know if I'm a good fit for the community? We want people who are passionate about their health and we want people who are passionate about it because they care about others. That's really it. So if your motivation to be healthy is completely self-driven, um, this community is probably not for you. But if, you're, if your purpose to be healthy is because of the other people in your life and the impact and the legacy you want to leave for them, then you're probably the perfect person for this community. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there really, it's really is that does have this sense of community where everybody is kind of cheering everybody on. Um, you know, you could, you can post this this morning, um, somebody in the community posted uh, a picture of themselves wearing their game day college football shirt that they haven't been able to wear in, in a really long time. And there's a day and like, this might seem silly, but I haven't worn this shirt in two years and I just put it on today and it fits. And, um, and then you've got everyone just like chiming in. Like that's, you were trying to build this community of people who are like-minded, passionate about their health and really willing to support each other. Um, um, so that's kind of what that thrive community is. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what, I would say, especially this last year with COVID and a lot of people being self-isolated and everything else, that it's more important than ever to have that community. So uh, congratulations on that. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you can, people can read about any of this. If you just go to tallisonhealth.com, you can kind of check in on any of this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. So there you go. TollisonHealth.com and also any uh, any of our members that want to uh, get in touch with Sean uh, can come through us through Advocate Health and we will uh, redirect to Sean and you can have a introductory call with him and see if there's a fit or just have a discussion with him. So. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that, Kevin. Yeah. I appreciate that. So Sean, thanks so much. Um, I know, as I said, when I started out, you've helped me, you've helped our family uh, and you've helped so many of our members. And I just want to thank you uh, because every day you're actually, you're making the better, the world a better place and you're making people healthier each and every day. So uh, hats oh. off to you, buddy, because uh, love what you're doing. Well, I love what you're doing too, Kevin. So I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you and grateful for the time that you've let me come on here. Same. Thanks, Sean. And All right. we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For all of our listeners, I invite you to visit AdvocateHealth.com where you can easily become an Advocate member to take advantage of some of the amazing services we offer. You can also access our latest blogs and listen to some of the best medical advice available on our podcast. Don't forget to grab a copy of my latest book, It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy, that is available to order through our website. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.